Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Okay, welcome back. Um, if you've been listening, we're in the middle of our community the community engagement series. I don't even know what we're Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> yes. Won't you be my neighbor? And um, kind of our heart beat, if you've been listening to the past few episodes, and I encourage you to go back and listen, is is how do we step outside of our bubbles mm-hmm. and engage our community? Um, it's super clear in scripture that we're supposed to do that. Um, and we're going to talk a little about what is community and, and how um, we engage that more. But we've talked about um, engaging our elderly neighbors. We yeah. um, talked to Ms. Shafray um, from Oak Grove Market about a, how to in, becoming um, a hub for the community. Yeah, like using food, food and gathering as a catalyst for building community. Community and fellowship. Like what, that, what does that look like? And today we're going to hit the very overwhelming topic of how to engage the racial diversity in our communities um, and how we even start the, the overwhelming process of doing that. And I'm going to introduce um, two of our friends that are here with us today. We have um, Meredith Copley, who is one of my neighbors. Yes. <laughs> so it's so funny. I thought, it, but all of these, this entire series on won't you be my neighbor is our neighbors because your is yours and both Lori and Meredith are mine. And, um, since you can't see us, mm-hmm. um, there's th- three white girls in the room and a black girl in the room. So, um, we are so excited that we have diversity sitting at the table. So, and that is Shannon and Shannon, I met Shannon. I'm gonna let them introduce themselves, but I met Shannon through Meredith, um, and a group that she will talk about in a second. Um, but I'm so excited to have everybody sitting at this table. So yes. Meredith, will you start and um, introduce yourself and then introduce yeah. how you know Shannon and Shannon can talk about herself. Yeah. Um, so my name is Meredith Copley, and I'm originally from Texas. Um, I lived in D.C. for 10 years, met my husband, married him, had three of our four kids. Then we moved down to Atlanta for a job change for him, had another kid. And um, now we're here. We've been in Atlanta uh, about six years. And um, I, um, I know Shannon through um, a group called Be the Bridge, and that's a faith-based racial reconciliation group that we were a part of starting a couple of years as ago. Um, and yeah, so we've just gotten to know each other over that and went through just a pretty neat program together. Um, and I can speak more of that later, just about what God was doing in my heart mm-hmm. sort of after we moved here. And Shannon? Yes, I'm Shannon Doyle-Bell. Um, so I've been in Atlanta now for 10 years. I've been, my, my husband and I, we've been married for almost years now which is crazy to think we have three children 10 6 and 3 and we've I'm from all over the place (laughs) Um, I'm not a military rat but just happen to live in four different regions of the country I'm born in Brooklyn New York raised in Grand Rapids Michigan Mm -hmm. lived in went to school in Ohio um in in college and uh lived in LA for almost seven years and Mm -hmm. then to Atlanta and I feel like we're going to stay here mm-hmm. I love this city yeah. um, it's awesome and so um, yeah just raising the family here and enjoying meeting lots of people in here um, yeah Be the Bridge it was awesome our group mm-hmm. I think was mm-hmm. a gem so mm-hmm. um, can y'all tell us, a bit for us yeah we're so happy to have y'all on and can you tell us a little bit about Be the Bridge for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with they're that. like what's Be the Bridge yeah yeah well, Be the Bridge was started by Latasha Morrison. She had a heart. She was, you know, raised in the South, um, moved to Austin, and I guess 
the community there wasn't very diverse and was mm-hmm. running into, she was working at a church and was running into a lot of families, um, white families specifically that had adopted children of color mm-hmm. and just started naturally having a lot of the conversations yeah. with them being a representative almost of what do I, how do I, you know, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So, uh, so it, I think it gradually turned into a ministry, um, mm-hmm. and she kind of hit the ground running and very at a rapid pace yeah. mm-hmm. been working and doing amazing things. And it's funny now I even get approached. I've gone through two groups, uh-huh. but I get approached by new people that I meet. Oh, you should do this ministry with us. And very happy <laughs> the virtual I'm very familiar with that. <laughs> so it's, like, it's, it's circling back. It's kind of funny. It's great to, to hear. Yeah. But um, yeah, so she's been at churches and just we're realizing that the church needs to catch up a little bit. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we should be leading this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we need to catch up when it comes to diversity, inclusion, engagement. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think the tagline that she always says that, you know, if you could boil Christianity down, to one little nugget, it would be reconciliation back to Christ. So if anyone mm-hmm. should be leading the charge on racial reconciliation, it should be Christians mm-hmm. and um, that we haven't been. Mm-hmm. And so she started this curriculum and she started this um, really this program to help walk um, people from diverse backgrounds, particularly focusing on, on white people, helping them understand some of the tension that's been going on in our country where that comes from and how do we put the pieces back together to understand each other? I think the key difference too, because you see a lot of corporations, like it's like, I don't know, cliche almost the diversity mm-hmm. inclusion. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like people are starting to be like rolling their eyes yeah. at it. And, um, but the key with this ministry is the reconciliation part mm-hmm. and that yeah. we're Christians and that we're yeah. doing this as a love of Christ mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and taking that time to reconcile is, very difficult and yeah. very challenging and it's taking it deeper than just sitting next to someone that's a mm-hmm. different color than you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 It feels like checking a box. You're probably doing it wrong. Yes. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So Meredith, can you um, talk about the process of why you did be the bridge? Like how, how your story came to that point mm-hmm. and then, you know, kind of, the, the journey that you went through with it. I, I went to one meeting and that one meeting affected me enough to get me to where I am now. Um, and I just went once. So um, I think that for you to go through a whole year of it, it obviously brought you from a much different point than what you started. So could you kind of share? Yeah, I feel like it helps to give a little bit of my sort of background to help set perspective to what, um, where I was when this started happening in my life. As I said, I'm from Texas, born and bred there. Which I am as well, so I can <laughs> I can attest to some of what she's saying. Um, I grew up around, I went to public high school and was around diversity, a lot of which was um, uh, more Hispanic Latino in Texas um, and went to uh, universe, public university and same there. But, um, you know, those, those I was always friends with and like nice to people of color and uh racially diverse backgrounds in me, but they were not part of my inner circle. And so um, I went to DC, um, then moved to Atlanta with my husband and found myself in a community. And if you're listening and not from Atlanta, Atlanta is extraordinarily diverse and um, found myself living in a neighborhood. As we were talking before the podcast started, my house is on the left side of me is an African-American family. On the right side of me is an Indian family. And um, my kids go to public school here. 
um, in our white family is the minority of that yeah. racial makeup. So um, I think what was going on in me was recognizing uh, where I live and kind of hearing and reading the news and seeing what was going on at the time with so much pain on um, on the TV and the news streams at night about, um, you know. I was around Trayvon Martin. I was around Trayvon yeah. Martin and Michael Brown and um, Black Lives Matters and all of this and trying to find a framework for understanding how did we get here and how mm-hmm. can I how do I not have um, people of color in my life where I can go to and understand their perspective on it? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of where I was coming from. Um, I mean, I grew up in the church. My church was very white. Um, and I even in DC worked for a very conservative political organization. So just to kind of show you, that's where I was mm-hmm. um, kind of. And then fast forward to a few years ago, I, all these things were happening in the news. I, I think I had just reposted something. Um, somebody had posted on Facebook about one of um, the things that was happening in the news. And I have just been reading a lot. And um, my friend, Andrea Middleton, who um, is black, and she happened to be uh, the teacher of my uh, daughter at preschool, commented on it. It was like, oh, I'd love to hear more about what you think about this, Meredith. And I kind of was like, <laughs> and, um, and it kind of started a little bit of a conversation mm-hmm. about that with her. And I remember feeling um, very intimidated to enter that conversation, but, but also wanting to know because I'd gotten to know Andrea and um, thought she was lovely. And um, I think also um, I really respected how she um, raised her kids for, any of y'all who know her, she has amazing kids. And I had been asking her for just, you know, advice and stuff as we'd see each other drop off. But um, what happened was she reached out to me and said, Hey, Meredith, I'm forming this group. It's called Be the Bridge. Um, If you're familiar with um, Jenny Allen and the If Gathering, it kind of was like born out of that. And it'll be meeting. We're going to start in October. We'll be meeting. We'll be um, you know, a couple times a month, we'll be reading um, a lot of different things about how God calls us to racial reconciliation. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this, but I have to do this. And I called my two friends, Margot and Beth, and I said, "We're go- I'm going to go to this and y'all are going to come with me. And I remember thinking like, okay, I definitely want to go to do this because I feel like God's doing something in my heart, but I, I need to bring two friends with me. And so... Um, <laughs> Thankfully, they came with me, but I really believe in, um, outside of those two people, I didn't know anyone in it. And we yeah, had 12 or 14, 12, mm-hmm. I think 12. Okay. Um, women in the group. And we met from about October it was our first kind of gathering or maybe right before Christmas to get to mm-hmm. know each other and then sort of started, um, right around Christmas time and then ended like in April, May. Yeah. Like, so it was like, like six or eight spring. months. Mm-hmm of meeting together, you know, almost twice a month, Mm -hmm. um, and going through this be the bridge curriculum. So, um, and we can talk more about that, but, um, I would say my husband would say it's the most radical change. He's, we've been married 12 years that he's seen that's happened in my life, just as far Mm -hmm. as like, um, path going this way, God doing something in my heart and that resulting in some big changes in our life. Yeah, that's awesome. So how did you get involved with the Roshan? Yeah, and I was going to just point out quick that the timing of that was just after the election yes, shift. Yes, very good. It was literally right at the, like, election was in November, and that's about and the time you guys yes. were. <laughs> yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. so I think that 
I mean, the timing of it was just, wow. Yeah, <laughs> that was, was very intense. Good and so we were, I mean, it was like all of us were coming in just, we don't have time to waste. Let's just talk mm-hmm. and get this going, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like I came to this group in like a thousand different ways. Um, a lot of Latasha Morrison's friends I'm friends with and I was getting to know Andrea at the same time she happened to be the PTA president at my Mm -hmm. school Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was switching churches and she went to that church for years and um, and I just the page on Facebook I was invited and started reading about it and it was just like okay from three different directions I'm hearing about Mm -hmm. this I think God wants me to be a part of this Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I was I was a little bit nervous, so to speak, but I'll just give a little bit of context of my background, which I should have done in the introduction. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my so my father is black, African American. My mother is white, and so I feel like I was born into <laughs> this conversation literally. <laughs> um, from you know, I mean, I before I could talk, I was already in this world yeah. of um, tension, mm-hmm. reconciliation, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so as I've gotten older, obviously, you realize, okay, this isn't as natural for people as it is for me. Yeah. You know, and, and navigating through that mm-hmm. world, it's, you know, I always feel like I'm on, you know, um, being careful, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have someone boldly say, we're going to talk about this and it's Christ-based. And, you know, I was very excited, but also, you know, nervous about, mm-hmm. okay, here here we are. And, and me being kind of that in-between experience of, you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not um, oftentimes being raised, you know, as a younger girl, I was never black enough, never white mm-hmm. enough, yeah. mm-hmm. always in between having to, kind of forge my own path Mm, so now I'm in between literally in this conversation again with white women and black women and um and I identify as a black woman that Mm -hmm. is biracial um but uh you know I think a lot of times people want to define that for Mm -hmm. biracial people what they you know I came to that that is me I um you know there's also this rule in the black community this one drop rule or you know one percent you're black and mm. and um and embrace it i think some people have difficulty with that it's just not a mm-hmm. okay i can go on a tangent about that no it's okay <laughs> it's, it's, good to, it's good to hear your story <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's um, um so yeah and then also coming with the perspective of you know the brooklyn new york mm-hmm. and the los angeles and atlanta yeah. very diverse huge metropolitan yes. cities then also West Michigan, which is very Dutch, White. German, <laughs> settling, you know. Yes. And um, my mother's family was from there. So my dad's family is from New York. My mother's family is from Michigan. And um, mm-hmm. and so we were mostly around her her family. And her father was a Lutheran minister. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were in the Lutheran church and oftentimes the only black family. And mm-hmm. um, as you get old, you know, I got older, I'm realizing, hmm. This is a little, like, I don't know if I necessarily like this anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how my parents have done this for so long. How how my father came from such a diverse community Mm -hmm. and has been boldly just himself um, Mm -hmm. and and standing in that and trusting Mm -hmm. that and trusting that Mm -hmm. this is where God. So as a family unit, I'm the oldest of three girls. We kind of defined 
and made a path for ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. um, because we knew we understood each other more than (laughs) most, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so coming to the group, um, yeah, it was exciting Mm -hmm. and a little, you know, obviously we were ready to have the conversation because of what was going Mm -hmm. on politically. But, um, for me, I just, I was so thankful to finally be late thirties now having conversation with other grown women about this. Mm. And I think that's a a great point because like, why has there never been, um, a, an environment in which you can do that? I think so many of us came thinking like, I don't even know the right way to ask this question. I don't even know the right way Mm -hmm. to phrase this, but having a place where it's like, we're going to walk through some things. We're going to have some questions. We're going to be led by scripture that leads us and guides us in this. Mm -hmm. Um, But here's an opportunity to work through our understandings Mm -hmm. in a place where we're going to have real and honest feedback Mm -hmm. to push back and to reinforce certain things. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think sometimes I look back at that and I think that's amazing that this is the first time I've ever had an environment to be able to do that. Well, I think, you know, our generation is just fed up and I think Mm -hmm. our kids generation is going to be like, I can't imagine what they're going (laughs) to do. But like, then I look at my parents' generation who are of the seventies and they call it the first, like I'm of the loving generation. If you know any Mm -hmm. of the history um, of loving versus the state of Virginia Mm -hmm. and they're the, she was black. He was white. The first um, married couple, they, they fought the Supreme court. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they call that, that was like 1967, I think. Mm-hmm. So they call like the 70, 80s kids born after that, the loving generation. Okay. Yeah. 1985. Mm-hmm. So I'm part of the loving generation. Yeah. There's a small percentage. Now you see biracial everywhere. Yeah. 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 And, but our, my little bubble generation has a totally different experience. We were, you know, raised in this open, not hidden behind closed mm-hmm. doors environment, but no one had done this before right. you know yeah. so and yeah. um stage, yeah. you know I say this a lot unfortunately a lot of those couples did not stay together um my parents are married 40 plus years which is amazing mm-hmm. um but you know it was just a totally different experience so uh I just think each generation is forging their own path mm-hmm. and this is our generation saying we're gonna have these tough conversations yeah. And be uncomfortable because mm-hmm. we're sick of being uneducated. Mm-hmm. We're sick of having the tension, mm-hmm. and we want we want to heal. Yeah. And I think, I think a way for people who haven't had these conversations to relate to that is I think about it in friendship or in marriage. Like you often don't want to talk about the hardest thing mm-hmm. yeah. in your marriage, and it stinks because it usually gets worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. But like what happens after you have those hard conversations is that you're closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like you're you're tending to this business that then is going to produce a stronger, a stronger bond, but just a richer, deeper community. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just have to think about what, um, what God's calling, God is calling us to racial diversity. And our pastor said this recently at our retreat, she said, you know, I'm not saying that we should care about this because um, Obama told us to, or the progressive Christian left tells me to, but because our Bible tells Mm -hmm. us to, that Mm -hmm. this is, this is the world and these are um, these are the people that I have made and I've asked you to live in community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I was just thinking about when you're talking about generations and I think um, all of us sitting at this table and the generation we grew up in in the 80s was 
um, the generation of um, we don't see color. Yeah, like that's how I that's how I yeah. grew up. And for so a little bit about my background, my parents are from New York, mm-hmm. but moved to Texas when I was young. Grew up in Texas. My parents are extremely liberal on the political um, stratosphere, uh, but mm-hmm. we grew. I grew up in a very conser- very small town in Texas, very conservative, um, and um, so I was always uh, I I always felt very um, out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my parents were like stuff in envelopes for the Democratic Party, yeah. uh, you know, and, and then all my other friends were, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then I'd go to a friend's house and the the racist jokes that were told by their father at the table were like, as an eight-year-old child, I knew was wrong, right? So, like, I, I always sat in this very, like, weird dichotomy. But we grew up in a generation, at least from what I can remember, and you guys can say this, is like, you, we don't see color. Yeah. I'm teaching my kids not to see color. And so that gets ingrained in you. So even though I grew up with with um, a family that um, was very open about talking about these conversations and, and what was going on in the world and how we needed to be different and do different, mm-hmm. um, I also had this, like, teaching from school that, like, we are just all the same. Mm-hmm. And and I think we need to talk about how that's not a helpful mentality mm-hmm. either. Um, about um, equality does not equal um, for sameness. sameness. Well, and is there a greater example of like white privilege than not having to see color? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I just, I think that our generation is one that's like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Like, I we're think we're all the same. The, why are people getting treated differently? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for so what? Speaking <laughs> the other direction, like for so long, you know, with the civil rights movement and everything, like the, our, the reaction out of that, our parents were, at least our white parents were, okay, well, we're not going to be that way. Yeah. So we're going to swing yeah. all the way this way. And, and we we're, I think the pendulum is trying to find its balance in the middle. Well, maybe yeah, not really talk about. Yeah, exactly. But well, we don't want to stick our heads in the sand right. because yeah. we just want let's, why can't we all just move on? Like that's right. a lot of what I heard too. Why, like, why can't we just move on and like we just stick our heads in the sands? And so like, oh, there's so much there. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean it's it's yeah. like, you know, if you, yeah. If you're for one, if you're not you don't want to see color because those have, that have seen color before you have been racist and discriminating yes. against. So, yeah. you know, it's it's sad that you had to take that extreme out of it instead of seeing color and appreciating it and celebrating it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which, you know, I, I, my, and, and just to my parents' credit did a very good job of that. I mean, just their backgrounds of what they did in life. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the experience I was given as a child mm-hmm. and the traveling that we did as a child and, and the, the cities that I got to be a part of and mm-hmm. the work my parents did, um, I got to see more than lots of small town white kids in Texas got to. So I'm very, I don't, I don't want to like put, mm-hmm. completely put down my parents' generation because <laughs> a lot of them did really great work and, right. so, and that I'm extremely grateful for. So, But, but like, they had to wrestle with yes. the tension of like, mm-hmm. you know, their parents' generation was like, don't even, you know, yes. or they know. You, I mean, we all, I can say I know some of my white family that are racist. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. when you know, when you're sitting next to people and having dinner at eight years old with your best friend's family and they're yes. racist, like you just know these things about yes. them. Yes. It's really, it's really hard to, mm-hmm. yeah. to move forward in the conversation. So, yeah. I don't know. I know there, yes, there's good people in every generation. Yeah. We're not going to like label a whole generation, mm-hmm. but. Um, at the same token, yes, I think that we're seeing in each generation a different, I don't know, like mission, so mm-hmm. to speak, yeah. or just mm-hmm. taking it a step further, which is mm-hmm. great. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, but 
my parents will say, yes, we were 70s love childs. And like, <laughs> you know, we were, their parents were not happy about that. Of course not. You know, yeah. we're scared for them and feared of for course. them and yeah. all that. And, and then once you get to know people, being forced on you realize oh I love these I love this person mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. despite you know the fear that I have or whatever mm-hmm. not that it will be easy just because we love each other but yes. you know yes. like yes. yeah I mean but I think you know I feel like what we're talking about is this this <clears throat> bigger truth of that if we're called to community if we're called to love each other if we're called to understand each other which I think the bible does you can only do that within proximity to mm-hmm. one another mm-hmm. and so what I think right. this community what I think y'all are trying to do in this episode is talk about like how do you move the needle Mm -hmm. to -hmm. create spaces where we're getting to listen Mm -hmm. and learn and understand one another Mm -hmm. and it's not about getting my point across or getting my perspective Mm -hmm. across Mm -hmm. or um but that we are moving towards a more humble um approach to I think I'm realizing there's some things in the history on this issue I don't understand Mm -hmm. that's Mm going to inform how I engage and love Mm -hmm. this person Mm -hmm. and so that's the pursuit you know is I'm not trying to understand this issue better so that I can talk about it trying to understand this issue so I can love this person Mm yes you know so let's take it down a little yeah let's take it down a little bit more so so this whole series is about engaging community and like I mean we can stick our heads in the sand but we really can't like if we're going to engage our community especially those of us that live um, in a major metropolitan area like Atlanta like if you're going to want to engage your community it's going to have to be done in a, in a diverse level like we can't engage our community and not tackle this issue um, and I think that that's kind of what what I want to get across is mm-hmm. that like okay we have this charge to engage our community but we can't go into this without some education mm-hmm. and without yes. you can't go into it blindly you can't just be like I'm going to come in and I'm going to like change the community for good Mm -hmm. without like really understanding and every community is going to be different you're going to have to learn your community Um, but like our community that we live in and a lot of our listeners are in the Atlanta area is like we live in a racially diverse Mm -hmm. um, very uh, history tension history filled community Mm -hmm. Uh like there's so many underlying um shifting plates underneath yeah. all of this mm-hmm. that it is I mean it'd take you forever to understand the history of what has happened in in America but mostly in the mm-hmm. south and um and I think that to go in and say I'm gonna do community involvement and community engagement I'm gonna engage my neighbors um it it would be ignorant to say that we could do that without some level of education so mm-hmm. my question goes in how do we even start like mm-hmm. how do we even start on um engaging those who look different than us and feel free to throw in the what not to do because I'm pretty sure I do all of those with a real (laughs) earnest heart but I think I do all the wrong things so feel free to start with that if you need to both of you I'm going to start talking particularly to white people yeah this is Meredith. Uh, <laughs> and I, um, one of the things in the Be the Bridge curriculum it has at the beginning, which I think is really important, is I think you need to start by praying um, for God to give you a greater awareness for his heart for racial diversity. Just mm. start with that. Start mm-hmm. praying that God would give you an awareness for his heart for racial diversity. Okay? And then from that, um, I think you can think about what are the more tangible steps I can take to inform Um, Well, I think you should start by what are the current views and attitudes 
do I have regarding racial diversity? And then what are some things I can do to start informing that um, that would be recommended by people of color? Mm-hmm. So I think um, in we can talk about this a little bit. I think um, we talked about this before the show started. A lot of the first steps that white people tend to take is they go to their one friend of color and they kind of say, can you teach me on this issue? And, and that's just a reality. I think that happens all the time. And I think what white people need to understand is people of color are tired of getting, bearing the burden of that responsibility to educate you. Yeah. I think they're very willing and Shannon speak to this too, to engage on a conversation of something that you are working on and reading about and mm-hmm. trying to get mm-hmm. more understanding. And right. that as their friend, they're wanting to hear your feedback mm-hmm. and, and maybe push back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you have to start from a place of like, okay, what are some resources? What are some credible mm-hmm. ways that I can start this process already? So yeah. I'm not, so I'm bearing the burden of that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And understanding, I think, your your cultural experience and the cultural experience of the community you're trying to engage, mm-hmm. um, which takes a lot of education and mm-hmm. time and mm-hmm. understanding. And, but, um, yeah, I mean, if you're, what is your intention? Yeah. <laughs> you know, are you going in to just with your own agenda mm-hmm. and for your own pat on the back? Um, yeah. So to speak, mm-hmm. your own accolades, build your portfolio or your resume mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or are you doing this too um, because out of the love of Christ, because God mm-hmm. put it on you as a, as a burden, a true burden, and you you want to show the love of Christ yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a selfless act um, to really engage others and, and just become a community. You actually end up coming becoming part of that community you should in the end Mm -hmm. um it's not about okay i'm just gonna go for this week and then i'm done Mm -hmm. or whatever or go for this event or so Mm -hmm. to speak and then i'm done um so yeah understanding you know how does that person want to be engaged Mm -hmm. like you said Mm -hmm. i think some people of color definitely are more uh prone to have conversations with white people mm-hmm. who are coming in with a sense of that they've already started doing some work on mm-hmm. educating and understanding mm-hmm. what the experience of people of color in this country has yeah. been, mm-hmm. you know, that's like definitely. I feel like you need to repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> what has the experience of people of color been in this country? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the history and then it's regional obviously. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then it, you can break it down even to the on a micro level of like, the community, the church, the company, the school, mm-hmm. the whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and understanding what what has been their experience and why doesn't it look equal, so to speak, yeah. or why is there, um, you know, why is literacy, I don't know, I'm just going with this, but like in, if you're looking at, I think because I'm, I have two boys that I'm raising and a daughter and in the elementary school world a lot of the time right mm-hmm. now. And it's like, why is it that literacy for black boys is so much lower mm-hmm. than everyone else? Yeah. You know, um, we have to pay attention to, to some of that. Like, it just yeah. can't be like, oh, we're all happy and let's have a conversation mm-hmm. together. Why isn't that family very happy? Why do they look like, why is there pushback? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. why aren't they comfortable in this setting? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's, I, so that like, I'm sorry, of, I'm just going like, no, 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 <laughs> it, 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 it's a really good um, 
topic of conversation of this is going to be uncomfortable. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one thing I learned. I only went to one be the group. Meredith um, invited me to the last be the bridge group that they had. And they kind of, it was kind of a, you can invite friends and then also yeah. hear about what you guys learned through it. And then Meredith and I were talking about like ways we can do that in our community. But so that's why she had me come along. But um uh, one of the things that I kept hearing over and over from both the, the women of color in the group and the white women in the group was it was really uncomfortable at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, the comfort, like I, I had to be open and willing to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, to the point that you're almost like, we're like, I don't, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, like, cause those conversations are hard. Like, There's- and you have to be ready to be, you have to be ready for those uncomfortable conversations. If you're not ready for those uncomfortable conversations, then maybe you need to do a little bit more praying and thinking before you enter into these conversations. There's, there's, there's a, a quote about that that mm-hmm. goes to that that was from the Instagram, the No White Saviors mm-hmm. Instagram we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, accountability feels a lot like bullying when you're used to being praised for your harmful behavior. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Ooh, say, hold on. Read that again. <laughs> <laughs> Accountability feels a lot like bullying when you are used to being praised for your harmful behavior. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And I think so much of this work that we're talking about um, in what that would call harmful behavior is just, frankly, so ingrained in the culture when mm-hmm. you um, are born and brought up in the United States of America. Yeah. Um, you aren't even aware of it. And so, so much of it is just uncovering the biases and the predispositions and the um, privilege Privilege. that you have, Um, you know, literally just discovering it, Mm -hmm. I think is the first step. Yeah. And that's like, that's just, it's a, it's, a massive conversation but it's a small step like we were talking about before this, this is morning. a slow process this is a slow process yes. but yeah. like just but like we're talking about how we, this is a very overwhelming conversation and like you can't just like um take it all in at one time and you can't mm-hmm. do it all at one time you can't accomplish all of this um learning and growing at one time but like the first step i think and you, you said it after you said pray about like where god's leading on you this the next one was like just under like starting to like even journal or think about the things that you that you start uncovering like because I think we think oh well, I'm not a white nationalist mm-hmm. I am not you know I don't mm-hmm. I, I don't you know picket in marches and I don't um make overly racist jokes and I you know and I don't do this and I don't do this but like those are very overt mm-hmm. but I think we need to dig down um and and understand like that's a, a simple step not a simple step it's not an easy step it's a beginning step of like yeah where's my thought pattern wrong? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I remember the two questions we spoke about the first meeting at Be The Bridge and it was, um, let's go around the table or floor and introduce yourself and can you tell us your um, your racial makeup? And it was like, I remember being like, crap. Um, I mean, and it was like, every person of color knew exactly what their racial makeup was and it got to the white people and we were like, European <laughs> with a little Scandinavian. I, you know, it was mm-hmm. just like we didn't even know because it didn't even matter. Right. Because yeah. it never affected. Eth- ethnicity wasn't really part of the conversation yes. growing up. And then the so second question was, which I just remember being stunned by like, how do I not know that? Because it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't affect me to know it. And then the second question was, tell me a time were the first time you can remember or one of the first times you can remember um, realizing that you were black or, um, you know, whatever race or realizing that you were white and had just received a privilege. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, um, 
I mean, I, I remember exactly that, you know, the example of like when I was in elementary school and I received, um, I was between me and this other kid and I received privilege to do it. And I remember realizing that it was just because of how I looked in my race mm-hmm. as like a nine or 10 year old. Yeah. I remember that, you know, and, um, and so I think those things inform like, okay, now let's unpack that. And I think what I want to say before we go further is just, um, I can almost like through the airwaves, feel the tension of people listening to this. Um, don't be nervous about this conversation. Don't be scared, lean into it and, and think to yourself, like, what is the next right step? Because I think what we're all here for, why we're even showing up and doing this is that we believe that, um, God wants us to love each other in a way that is redemptive and meaningful. And if we do not um, take hold of and take um, part in the racial diversity of our world, we are missing out mm-hmm. on the fullness of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you need to understand that mm-hmm. you are missing out on the fullness of God if you are not leaning into um the beauty of racial diversity and all it means. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so Shannon, what was your experience in that moment of that question? Like how did, how did your experience differ to Meredith's? Cause I assume it did. <laughs> um, well, I guess the first question I felt like I've defined that since yeah. forever yes. um, yeah. on my race, mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. being biracial and black and mm-hmm. that experience. Um, but there was, like I said, tension with that because yeah. You know, I think, too, part of it, I have my mother is white. I think when your daughter and identifying with your mother, there's mm-hmm. like, that's a whole thing. I think maybe I might even still be processing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but, you know, and definitely realizing from an early age, I guess, that others recognized it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, that I was, that our family was different other mm-hmm. than whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember marking I think I guess I was in maybe elementary where you're taking a standardized test and you have to mark your race mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and being like the, the, now there's the option you can mark more than one but at that time it was mm-hmm. mark one you mm-hmm. have to mark one mm-hmm. or there was the other uh-huh. so sometimes I would just mm-hmm. be <laughs> you're looking uncomfortable already and I'm like and this is me at eight years old like <laughs> And um, so sometimes I remember marking both. Just I don't care if you say just pick one or I would (laughs) do other and write out the full thing. (laughs) Like, I just don't care. You're not going to find this for me. I remember (laughs) 2000 census. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, They had finally switched it over and I wanted to do like this party or something. Like, Mm -hmm. you can mark whatever it is you are. I was like, yes. Yeah. Um, Represent, you know. Um, and then sometimes I've talked to other people who are very racial and are like, well, sometimes I just put black because I, you know, it's like a black empowerment thing. Like I just want, you know, yeah. representation. If mm-hmm. you can understand that at yeah, all, for sure. um, yeah. <laughs> like I don't even want to, like, that one counts, you know, because you need it. More. Yes. And the author, um, Lisa Sharon Harper, she mm-hmm. challenged everyone maybe on the next census to, to mark everything that you are. Don't just say white. Mm-hmm. Just put mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Um, because that's a test right there of your, you know, your privilege a little yeah. bit. Like, yeah. It's the privileges I can just mark white or I can 
you know, mm-hmm. actually put everything there. You know, the big thing now is doing the DNA tests. And yes. <laughs> I don't know I've if you done all have done. Yes, yeah, we've both done it. So just to like, just to blow up this whole idea of of race and you yeah. know and how it's a social construct. And it's a certain, talk about that a little bit. That's I mean that <clears throat> blow your mind just thinking about it. I mean, it was really just born to have give a certain group power. As you can imagine, this conversation lasted much longer than our typical conversations on Woven. So we decided to turn this into a two-part episode. So we pray that you will come back next week and listen to the rest of our conversation with Shannon and Meredith. And until then, um, if you want to engage more on this topic or this conversation, please, please reach out. We'd love to hear what you guys are thinking, not just about this episode on racial diversity in our community, but um, any of our One Should Be My Neighbor series. We would love to hear um, your opinions, your thoughts, and how you are processing what to do next as you engage your community. So until then, thank you for listening, and we pray you'll come back next week. So till next week, we are on Instagram at Woven and Him. We are on Facebook and Patreon forward slash Woven and Him. You can also email us fullywoven at gmail.com. And I'm Rebecca Pete, like the coffee brand. And you can find me at RebeccaPete.com where you can also find all my social handles. Yep. And uh, I don't want to be found. So just find me on the Facebook for our uh, podcast and the Instagram, but not my personal. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 